0: Tennis Gambling Podcast and Sports Gambling Podcast now presented by Winbet. Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to win another $100, no questions asked, at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Rochelle once again going solo for this pod. And we're going to be talking about a very entertaining Masters 1000 event because it is time for the Paris Masters. And there are a lot of very good players in the field because it is a Masters 1000 event. So it should be a lot of fun. But before I actually get into any of the futures and outrights for the show, I do want to recap how we did on the last episode for those two ATP finals. Overall, we did well. For starters, we picked the winner correctly in both. It wasn't exactly a hot take. We took the pr- the two decent favorites there with Medvedev and Felix, and they both ended up winning. However, we did lose the lock. We had Medvedev minus one and a half sets at minus 135. I was shocked Shapo won a set, but Medvedev won the match in the end. For the dog, we ended up winning. We had Medvedev and Shapo over six and a half combined double faults at plus 105. Really just a horrible line. I believe each of them had five by the each of them at five. So they ended up going over almost double what the prop was, but that was plus one five. Nice winner. And for the actual prop bonus, we gave out Medvedev over five and a half aces at minus minus one thirty five, And he had six. So when two and one for the actual picks lost the lock, we hit the plus money play though, and hit the prop. So it could be a lot worse. And hopefully we'll carry that over into this episode, but to go through my overall takeaways from the finals themselves, Felix, is where I'm going to start with this one because Medvedev winning not exactly surprised. We know Medvedev a former number 1 player. He was the most talented player in the field by far. That wasn't exactly surprising. However, I do want to talk about Felix because I've called him out for a while on this podcast because I'm waiting for him to break through. He has all the talent. He's 22 years old and we're all waiting for him to potentially either win a grand slam, break through for a deep run in a grand slam or even just showcase some consistent dominance in regular ATP events. We got the last part because he's on a massive winning streak and he ended up winning in Florence. Well, I'll start off with his last, with uh, the Labor Cup, actually, because he beat Djokovic, which I'm assuming really helped his confidence. And then after beating Djokovic, he lost to Batista Gut in the first matchup in Astana. Then after that, he won in Florence, and he won the title there, so he won four straight there. Then he won in Antwerp, four more matches, then he won five matches in Basel, and he won his third straight ATP title in three weeks. So, you're going through the numbers here. Anytime that you win three straight titles in the ATP level, and you also end up winning 13 matches in a row, I got to at least talk about it, and you also beat Djokovic a couple months ago. So, Felix has been playing at a level that We were kind of hoping he would reach at some point, and it appears that he's finally starting to tap into that untapped potential that was why, you know, he was supposed to be the face of Canadian tennis for the next generation or so, and it seems like he's finally living up to the billing, but Felix had a very, I'd say, necessary buy in the first round of this overall tournament. And I do think that fatigue, which was a very good angle during the course of the season for fading purposes, has really not been good lately because you're looking at the overall performances and Rune ended up beating Warrenka in a very competitive three-set match there, went to a third-set tiebreak yesterday. And I'm not surprised Rune won because I think he's a better player than Warrenka at this stage in their careers. But still, the fact that it seems like the guys who made the final in the past weekend or made some deep runs, etc. The fact that they've actually been good with their stamina over the last couple of weeks, I just find fascinating because it was such a good fade throughout the entire season, but either way uh, to go through any other takeaways that I had, I'm not going to blame Rune for losing to Felix in the final. I think Felix is just the better player. It's fine. It happens. I talked about how the serve would be the biggest difference, and it was because Felix won 78% of his first serve points, and he won 65% of his second serve points. He was never broken, so Felix went the entire tournament without losing serve, which is huge. Rune wasn't bad, per se, on the first serve. He won 64% of his first serve points, which is not great. Second serve points were not bad, though, as he ended up winning 56%. But when you're going to end up losing by 9-plus percentage points in the first serve and the second serve you're not going to win. And Felix was able to hold serve the entire match, the entire tournament, and that's why he ended up winning. So that kind of seems to be a big reason why Felix has made the leap. His serve has been a lot more consistent and that has been a huge component of his game, which he always had, but it seems like he's developing a bit more of a consistent weapon with the serve. But either way, uh, for the other match, not really much else to say. Once again, Medvedev's a much better player. He's a good matchup for Shop. He's a good matchup against Shapo. Shapo. I'd be shocked if he beat him anytime soon, but he did win a set, so congrats there, but and classic Chapo uh, style, he had moments where his level rose, he had moments where his level really fell apart, and Medvedev was just a brick wall at the points in the match he needed to, and that was the result of the overall match, because Medvedev eventually just wore down Chapo, and Chapo made too many unforced errors. So overall, good episode, and... Really impressed by Felix. I uh, wanted to at least mention him briefly before we get into him potentially in one of the futures. But still, now it's time to get into the pa- the uh, Paris Masters tournament and go through the outrights, the draw, and what bets we actually like for the potential winner of this event. We also do have quarter draws, so we will have some bonus props there. I know some episodes we have it, some episodes we don't. This episode, we do have it. So we will be covering each quarter first and then slowly branching into the outrights for the entire tournament. But before you get into any of that, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100 and win $100 for no questions asked. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com WinBet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer something to change, terms and conditions at WinBet. Com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough women is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping what happened over the weekend and how well we did, how well uh, Medvedev and Felix did. Now it's time to get into the actual matches and the outrights, most of the outrights, for the Paris Masters and to go through every key player in this event. You have Alcaraz, who's the number one player in the world. Hasn't played like it since the US Open, but he's still, of course, in the running. Uh, you also have Djokovic. You have Medvedev. You have Nadal. I'm not sure what Nadal we're going to get, but we're going to find out. You have Sitsipas. You have Felix. You have Rublev. You have Fritz, uh, shapo Hercas. The point is, you basically have the entire top 10. And it makes sense because it's a Masters of 1000 event. So to go through the actual quarters here, I'll start off with... The first quarter, because why not? Just going in order. Uh, Alcaraz is the favorite at plus 165. Rublev is the second favorite at plus 260. Herkaz is plus 400. Rune is plus 550. Dimitrov is 10 to 1. Nishioka is 16 to 1. And Fagnini is 40 to 1. Shout out to Fagnini for actually making it this far. I know he had a three set war as a lucky loser, and he ended up getting a win. I believe he lost to that guy in qualifying, and he avenged the loss in a third set there yesterday. So nice job for Fognini. Of course, he's going to get his ass kicked in the next match. I don't think it's really a discussion. But still, Alcaraz is the favorite. Should he be, I'd say yes. We know that his level when he's on is definitely higher than anybody else in the draw. The problem is, since he won the U.S. Open, he really has been inconsistent. And at times, you can argue, not very good. And even the matches he did win... He really struggled against Draper and went three sets. I believe he lost the first set, and then he came back from it. But Alcaraz has been a little bit vulnerable, and we know Rublev has a lot of firepower. Uh, he definitely was playing good tennis over the past couple of weeks. And I do think Alcaraz, I know we faded him into the last tournament because we thought the price was too low, and it was, as he ended up losing. But I still think Alcaraz should, keyword should, make it out of the quarter. I think he should beat Nishioka but you're looking at who he's played and how he's done lately. It's really the loss to uh, Gofen and Astana, which kind of has me shaking my head. Davis Cup lost to Felix. I guess it's understandable. We saw Felix beat Djokovic, so that's excusable. And then Felix beat him again uh, in Basel. So He's 0-2 against Felix over the last couple of weeks, but he lost to Goffin, which is pretty random. Besides that, he had the three-setter against Draper, which I mentioned before. He looked comfortable against Karenya Busta and Zanshulp, but then Felix beat him. But once again, Felix is playing the best tennis of his career, so I think you could make an argument that it's excusable because he was going just full-on beast mode, and Alcaraz ran into a buzzsaw. But I do think when you're looking at this overall draw, You got to at least point out the fact that Alcaraz's overall path is definitely easier in my eyes than Rublev's because Rublev has to face off against either Rune or Herkaz. Hell of a match, by the way. That should be a hell of a time. Uh, So I do think that whoever wins that match could give Rublev problems. I don't know who's going to win that match between Herkaz and Rune because I'm still wondering about fatigue because not only did Rune make the final in a couple tournaments in a row without any time off, he also went three sets against Warenka in the first round, and Herkaz had a competitive but straight-set victory against Manorino 7-6-6-4. So I think I'm leaning Herkaz, but the point is Rublev has to face off against a very good player in the round of 16. Now, the advantage is he had an extra day off because he beat Isner yesterday, and Herkaz and Rune have not played yet, so he will have an extra day of prep, which could definitely help him in the spot. But you're looking at who Alcaraz has. He's facing off against Nishioka. I know Nishioka keeps the ball in play, but Alcaraz has the movement. He has the actual power. I think he's going to wear it on Nishioka, and we know Nishioka its not his fault based on stature. Not exactly a great server, so I think Alcaraz should be able to co- create constant pressure in a Nishioka service games. And I think he'll eventually get over the finish line. Then he faces off against either Dimitrov or Fagnini. Now, Dimitrov was pretty good in the last tournament he was in, which was surprising, but then he ended up losing. But he's faced off against Fagnini. Fagnini is well past his prime, and I've mentioned this in the past. I know I faded him a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of episodes ago. I forgot who I ended up taking, uh, but I took a dog against him in the first round, and Fagnini lost. He actually retired in that match. But the point is, Fagnini has been playing a lot of doubles, and it seems like he's starting to make that transition where he realizes that his body cannot really handle long tournament runs. We saw in the U.S. Open – He had a very, very impressive comeback in the first round, I believe, against Karatsev. And then after that, he won the first set against an injured Nadal, and then he completely just ran out of gas. The stamina was uh, really non-existent. The gas tank was on E, and he ended up losing. And that's been the story of his year or so. And I think Dimitrov, even though I'm not a big fan of Dimitrov, he's still much better at this stage in their respective careers. So I do think Dimitrov will probably win that match. But Alcaraz faces off against Anishioca, and then either Dimitrov or Fognini, while Rublev has to go through herquez or Rune. I think it's a really nice draw and favorable draw for Alcaraz, so I'm actually going to take Alcaraz. If you wanted a long shot, I'd probably say Rune. I am concerned about the stamina uh, because of the three-setter against Warenko as well, so I have to at least acknowledge it, but based on how well he's played, you can argue 550 is a little bit too high. You could argue it should be around 450 something like that, but I guess the argument is Rune's an underdog against Hercas, so you got to be consistent, but I am going to go with Alcaraz. I think you'll end up seeing him potentially be pushed to three sets, maybe against Rublev, but either way, I do think Alcaraz has a very nice path and a plus 165. I do think there's a lot of value on that path. So give me Alcaraz to win the first quarter, and I'm not going to really mention any other Sleepers besides Rune, who I'm tempted by, but that's going to be my two picks for the first quarter. Then for the second quarter, going to get into the actual odds here. You have Medvedev as the favorite at plus 120. You have Felix at plus 275. Fritz at six to one. Tiafoe at eight to one. Draper at nine to one. Diminour at eleven to one. Yemmer at forty to one. And Simone, who had a very nice three-set win there against Murray. Murray was serving for the match. He got broken, and then it looked like his gas tank also ran out because he was slicing everything. Murray looked like he didn't want to be there for the last half hour, and Simone wore him down in classical Simone fashion, where he hits the ball at 10 miles an hour, but it all goes over, and he keeps every shot in play, and Murray just couldn't handle it physically. But, yeah, Simone's got no shot at 66 to one Yemmer's a fun player, no shot in this draw. Diminor, I'm not interested. I like him as an overall player. I've not been a big fan of the recent form. He's been okay. I just don't think he's been good enough to beat either Medvedev or Felix, so I'm going to pass there. Draper's interesting because he did push Alcaraz to three, and you can make a serious case that Draper is definitely a future top 15 player. If you've looked at how he's played recently, he's been really, really good. He had the nice win against Sitsipas, I believe, during the summer uh, so he has had some impressive wins there. Beat Felix, actually, in the U.S. Open. Uh, I believe he was up two sets to nothing, and then he uh, Felix ended up withdrawing. Or he, No, he beat him in straight sets, and then Draper got hurt, and he withdrew the, the round after. But still, the point is he beat Felix in straight sets in the U.S. Open. So I do like his current form. Tough matchup, though, against Tiafo In his next matchup, he really easily dispatched a Inderknich, who was playing some good tennis. But Draper looked good. Tiafo looked good as well as he beat Sonigo in straight sets. That's a really tough match. I think it's basically a coin flip. I actually don't know who I'd pick in that match, but yeah, Medvedev against Uh, uh Medvedev, I believe, is undefeated against him in his career, so I have to assume Medvedev will win that one pretty comfortably. Uh, Draper, Tiafo, it's going to be an interesting matchup against Medvedev in the next round, assuming that Medvedev beats Diminor, which I think is a pretty safe assumption. I think Medvedev is just too consistent, and... We know his stamina is very good, Medvedev, with the exception of that uh, retirement after the second set tiebreak against Djokovic, which I still don't fully understand. But either way, Medvedev is just a brick wall. And Tiafo has been better this year. Still too many unforced errors. And Draper is kind of a lefty version of that, where he tries to keep the ball in play, doesn't have an insane amount of power, but he can unload occasionally on the forehand I just think Medvedev is too strong, fundamentally, for either guy to beat him. You could argue Tiafo, maybe if he serves very well and stuff like that could happen, but he's a head case. We already know this. I guess I think Draper would end up beating Tiafo, but that's going to be a very, very competitive match. But as for the rest of the actual draw, I think I have to go with Felix here, uh, just based on value. Now Medvedev, I do think, is going to be in the quarterfinal matchup and I think he'll probably be against Felix. I don't want to pick only Chalk because you have Fritz in here, and I know that Fritz is still a good player, but Felix with the bye. The bye is so helpful for a guy that's just won three straight tournaments because he had an extra couple days. He played on Sunday. Now he was off Monday and Tuesday. That helps. And Felix is against Yemmer. Yemmer had a three-setter against Bublik. He's a very annoying player to play against Yemmer because he's arguably the fastest player on tour. He just runs around like a lunatic, keeps the ball in play. The issue is he doesn't have any power, and Felix faced zero. He got broken zero times in the last tournament. The problem is I think Felix is going to hold serve pretty easily for the majority of the match because of just how much power he has on the first serve, and Yemmer can't serve. So I do think Felix will wear him down, but you're looking at the potential draw here for Felix, and he has a matchup against Yemmer followed by most likely Fritz. I think Felix should win both those matches. Medvedev has matchups against Dimonor and then Draper or Tiafo. I think we can agree that based on that comparison for the actual draw, Felix has the easier draw, at least in my opinion. You could argue that, well, Fritz is better than Draper or that's fair. I just think Dimonor is a much better player than Yammer, and that's kind of how I'm looking at it, but I do think the buy is going to help Felix out a lot, and based on current form... He's definitely been one of the – he's definitely been – it's the case. He's been the hottest tennis player on tour for the last couple of weeks, and I think based on that, you're getting a pretty decent price there, plus 275. Do I think he would beat Medvedev? I don't know, because they had a war in the Australian Open a couple years ago where Felix had a couple of match points, didn't work out, and Medvedev beat him in five, I believe. But the point is, I do think – that you're looking at a actually it had to have been 5 cuz he had a couple match points but still I think that Medvedev and Felix are on a are on a collision course I'll take both of them I don't have a long shot here I really don't I think anytime you have Medvedev or Djokovic or any of these top tier guys in an actual draw it's in a quarter I mean it's very tough to find a guy who you could see visually dethroning the main Threat in this quarter. I think Felix has the firepower. I think Fritz does not. I think Tiafo does not either. Draper's fun. I just don't think he's ready yet. I think he's probably a year or two removed as he continues to improve his game. So give me Medvedev versus Felix there in the quarterfinal matchup, and I'll take both there. Uh but so far it's been chalk. Hopefully, that transitions. Not going to transition in the third quarter, I'll tell you that much, because you got Djokovic at minus 400. Uh, makes perfect sense. Djokovic is the best player in the world. He is absolutely insane. Uh, Kasparud had a nice win in straight sets against Gasquet. I know he was down a break there late in the second set, came back and won the second set in a breaker. He's at 7-1. to Kakanov is 8-1. to Musetti is 10-1. to Basel-Javili is 40-1. to I'm not making a case for anybody besides Djokovic. Djokovic is so much better than everyone here, and it's really not even close, and Djokovic could arguably make it to the semis blindfolded because I really just don't see anybody beating him. I know Rude is still a top-five player. He had a shot to be number one uh, if he won the U.S. Open final, but Djokovic is so much better than Kaspar Rude, and Ruud has not been playing good tennis lately. Nice win against Gasquet. The last couple of tournaments, he wasn't great. I know he lost to, I believe it was Nishioka who he ended up losing to... Wait, was it Nishioka? I'm I'm trying to remember remember who he lost to. He won a very competitive match against Jari, which was a red flag there. I believe that was in Japan. And then after... Sorry, it was in uh, South Korea. Uh, It was in South Korea. He ended up beating Jari in three. And then he did lose to Nishioka in three. Then he played Munar in Japan. So I got those... I got those tournaments mixed up. is a clay court specialist, and yet Rude got smacked. He lost 6-3, 6-3. Then he played against Warenka in Basel, and he lost 6-4, 6-4. So Rude had lost three straight. Then he beat Gasquet. He was still down a break to Gasquet in the second set, but I just don't think he's in good enough form to even win a set off Djokovic. I think Djokovic probably wins this overall quarter not dropping a set, He's owned Kakanov in his career. He's owned everybody basically in his career besides the wars he's had with I mean, Federer and Nadal's y'all winning records against. I know Kyrgios is a winning record against him. And I believe Vesely is 2-0 against him, which is kind of random. But the point is Djokovic has been great against everybody. And minus 400, I get it. You can argue it's not worth taking. I'd probably uh, rather take him to win the entire tournament. We'll get into that in a bit. But minus 400, I get it. I don't know if I can play it. But Djokovic will make the semis. I just don't see him losing in this spot. And going to the fourth quarter, you have an absolute crapshoot. You have Nadal at plus two sixty. You have Sisi Pasta three to one. You have Shoppo at five to one. Nori at five fifty. Busta at six fifty. Tommy Paul at eleven to one. Evans at twelve to one. And Mount and uh, Mutet at twenty to one. Uh, I'm not picking Mutet. Evans, I love as a player. I'm not sure if he'll actually be able. to to make a deep run in this event. To go through the draws here, I'm going to work backwards. Evans beat Nakashima. Very nice win. Now he faces off against Sitsipas, and that's really tough. Now Nori faces off against Mutet. Nori has not been playing great tennis lately, but he should beat Mutet, who's more of a junk ball, unorthodox player. I can't really fully compare him to Manorino, but a same a similar idea, a very unique style, which you're not exactly accustomed to, but Nori should win that matchup. As for the actual bottom section, you have Tommy Paul against Nadal, which should be interesting. Very nice straight set win against Batista Agut in the first round. Then you have Krenya uh, Busta taking on Chapo. Chapo had a three-set war there against Sarandolo, and he won that. Busta won in straight sets against Ramos Vinolas, who we know is not exactly a good hardcore player. But if you want a long shot, and I think I'm over giving him out as a long shot, but I still love the actual value. And he's had so many close matches that have ended in heartbreak for him. I think there's value on Tommy Paul. And I know it sounds a bit crazy because he's against Nadal in the first matchup uh, after recording this. But I think if you were going to face Nadal following a long time off, you probably want to face him in the first round because once Nadal actually gets, you know, his footing a little bit. And once he kind of shakes off the rust, then Nadal's Nadal, and you have to be concerned, of course, about him beating anybody even on a C-plus day instead of having to play his best tennis to win. We know Nadal can push, and he can easily beat people when he's having his, uh, even, once again, like C-minus day. I think that he's good enough. But you're looking at his recent matches. He played against Tiafo in the U.S. Open. He lost. Then he had the Federer- Retirement match where he lost to Tiafo in doubles with Sock in three. It was an exhibition, very competitive match, very fun. But he hasn't played a singles match since the U.S. Open, and he has not played an actual match since the Labor Cup doubles situation on the twenty-third of September. So he hasn't been on a tennis court for a competitive match in over a month. And Paul's been playing, you know, good tennis now. Do I think Paul's going to win? I'm not going to say that entirely, but I do think if you want to talk about some value at a double-digit price, people are going to automatically assume Nadal's going to win this match because of the fact that he is Nadal, and you assume he's going to find a way because he is one of the most, I'd say, tenacious players that this tour has ever had. But I'm looking at Tommy Paul's recent results, and I think he's good enough to really push Nadal to the brink. We know Tommy Paul will keep the ball in play. We know he's still a good, fundamentally sound player. It's mostly the spot itself and trying to fade Nadal, who I'm obviously not going to pick. I'm not picking him to win the quarter when he hasn't played a singles match in uh, several months since the U.S. Open. But the point is, I do think you're looking at a good spot for Paul here. I know he's plus 250 or so on the money line, which tells you then Nadal might be a bit compromised because if Nadal was fully healthy, you'd assume this line would be like minus 500, minus 600, just based on Nadal's name recognition alone. But it's been roughly two months since Nadal's played a single singles match. And Paul, right now, assuming he gets past Nadal, would face off against Busta or Shapo. I'm assuming Busta because I think Shapo might run out of gas here. But I think Paul can beat either player. And then you're looking at potentially facing off against the likes of Poss or Evans or Nori, they're all going to kill each other. So you're on the other end. But I think if you want a long shot for this overall quarter or really any quarter, I do really like Tommy Paul at 11 to 1. And you're just hoping that Nadal is going to look extremely flat in his first singles match in a while. Also battling the injury that he ended up having to deal with in the US Open. Uh, I believe it was the abdomen, which ended up bothering him. But the point is, I do have to at least point out that if you're going to beat Nadal in this tournament, I think you have to do it early. And Tommy Paul has the opportunity to do it the earliest of anybody. So I like Tommy Paul there at 11-1 to 1 for value. Uh, besides that, do I want to make a case for Busta? And I don't know if I can. Uh, Busta has been extremely inconsistent lately and had a very nice win against Ramos Finolas. I don't think that means anything because Ramos Finolas is really not a good hardcore player. But he's against Chapo... I think he has the game to beat Chapo, obviously, because Chapo might be fatigued having three sets in his first round match, and he made the final over the weekend, and Busta has been just a steady player for a long time. Maybe? The thing is, I don't know if Busta would actually beat Nadal. Like that, That's the thing, is that assuming my pole pick loses and assuming Nadal wins, I'm really not sure if Busta would beat Nadal, and that's why I'm not sure if I can pick him here, but... He has a pretty difficult draw. Nori is interesting, but I don't really know if I can fully go to the window with him here. I think if I had to pick a couple of other options, I think Pass against Evans is an underratedly close match. I just think that you're looking at a spot where Evans can definitely prolong points and pass we know, can occasionally get a little bit haywire with his strokes. So maybe Evans could push Sitsipas to the brink. However, Sitsipas is three and zero against him in their careers. And he's never dropped a set. Now, the caveat to that is that the last two matches were on clay and Sitsipas is a much better clay court player than Evans. They played in Dubai on hard court in 2020 and Sitsipas ended up winning six, two, six, three, but I think for a favorite, I'll go with Sitsipas. I'll take him at three to one. As for anybody else, I'll take Tommy Paul, at 11-1. So those are going to be my two thoughts there, or two picks for the uh, fourth quarter. So once again, going through in order, the first quarter, going to take Alcaraz and Rune. Alcaraz at plus 165, Rune at plus 550. Second quarter, I'm going to go with Chalk here. I'm going to take Medvedev and Felix. I don't really see much value in the longer shots. Third quarter, I guess I'm technically j- taking Djokovic minus 400, but in reality, I'm just taking him to win the entire tournament. I don't think anyone's beating Djokovic, so I'm not going to bother. And fourth quarter, give me Sitsi at 3-1 to one, and give me Tommy Paul at 11-1. But now we covered the quarters. Now it's time to get into the actual outrights. And shocker, Djokovic is going to be my first pick at plus 125. We saw him just beat Mevidev uh, via retirement. It was a very good match. Mevidev had, I believe it was one match point in there for the breaker. Uh, but either way, the point is it was a very, very competitive match. But Djokovic's stamina wore Mevidev down. And I do think Djokovic is the best player. Next year in the Australian Open, he's going to go on an absolute just mission to crush everybody, which I'm looking forward to. But still, I'm going to go with Djokovic. He's the best player in the world. I think he's the best player of all time. So I'll go with him to win it at plus 125. Besides that, I will go with Alcaraz at 7-1. to I know I've given him a hard time, and then he won the U.S. Open, but then he kind of went back to being inconsistent. At the end of the day, I just like his draw a bit too much. I think you're looking at a spot where we talked about how he's got a lot of value at plus 165 because he's going to let all the other guys around him kill each other, and he has matchups against Nishioka and Dimitrov. I think Alcaraz could have a really decent path here to get to the semis, and if he does that, that's half the battle. So I do think if you're looking at some value here, I kind of like Alcaraz taking the number one player in the world to make a run here. We know that even if he doesn't beat Djokovic or Medvedev, he won't be afraid. Some players just have an aura about them with Djokovic and Nadal and even Prime Federer. You walk into the tournament or the match and you just expect to lose. You think in the back of your mind, you know, it'd be really cool if I could win, but then one thing goes badly. You see one insane shot, and out of nowhere, you kind of just feel like you lost immediately. Alcaraz doesn't feel that way. You know, Alcaraz is going to push to the bitter end, and I do like that at 7-1 to for a relatively easy quarter. Maybe if have I thought about but he's in the same draw as Felix, so that I cannot do. But I will end up taking—I don't know if i, I can't take Pass. He just doesn't be Joke. He just won't be Djokovic. And even against Medvedev, he beat him last time out. Uh, I believe that was in D.C., but I still don't exactly trust him to win this event. I'll go with Felix at sixteen to one. Fatigue could be an issue, but he did have a—he de- did have a bye in round one. It's tough to go against a guy that's won thirteen straight, and for a guy that actually beat Djokovic in a tournament a couple of months ago at this point, but give me Felix a 16 to one. I like the value there. As for any other long shots, if you want to go for the current form angle, Rune is 28 to one. I'm not picking it. I think that the three setter against while is going to drain a lot of energy. And I think he'll eventually lose either next round or at some point the round after I don't expect him to get out of his quarter uh, for Rune. I know I gave it out. Cause I do like the odds associated with it in reality. I think he probably ends up losing. But if he makes the quarters, we have a chance to hedge out of it. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. But I do kind of wonder about fatigue there. Uh, I'd rather take him to win the quarter than the tournament because I do think if he gets past the quarter, he's really going to be outmatched against Djokovic, Medvedev, maybe Alcaraz, Sitsipas, etc. He did just beat Tsitsipas, so I actually take that back. But I still think Rune is a better bet to win the quarter than to win the tournament. But really no long shots. It's really tough to find long shots when you have Djokovic, Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Nadal, Tsitsipas, and Felix in the same tournament. And unlike women's events where you could see a Cinderella make a deep run, usually in men's that's on clay, which we saw with Musetti, for example, who won in Hamburg, but usually on hard courts, the favorites, especially when you have top three guys, they usually dominate, and I expect to see something similar to that. So for me, I'll go with Djokovic at plus 125, I'll take Alcaraz at seven to one, and I'll also take uh, Felix at sixteen to one. Let me just see if I could find any better odds there. I cannot, so that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights here. Actually, I never mind. I take it back. I found Alcaraz at seven fifty. So once again, the updated odds. I will take Djokovic at plus one twenty five. I will take Alcaraz at plus seven fifty, and I will take Felix at sixteen to one. But that's gonna wrap it up for the quarter breakdowns and for the actual outrights for the Paris Masters. Now it's time to get into the actual match plays with the lock and dog segment. But before we actually do that, gonna get another quick word in from our sponsors. We're also brought to you by the Sports Galen Podcast YouTube channel because they are having a special promotion. They are giving you a chance to win your choice of either an autographed Lawrence Taylor jersey or an autographed Brian Dawkins jersey. And the best part, the contest is completely free to enter. There's three steps. I'm going to walk you through how to do it. Step one, subscribe to youtube.com slash sports scaling podcast. Step two, comment on a video. Each video is a new chance to win. And step three, turn on your notifications so you don't miss S. GP contacting you when they pull the winner welcome back everyone to the tennis scaling podcast just finished previewing the outrights for the Paris Masters now it's time to get into the actual matches for the lock and dog segment and for the lock had a lot of choices but I'm going to go with something that I never thought it'd actually take. And it's involving a player that I have roasted time and time again on the podcast, but I do actually like the spot. It's going to be Dimitrov, and I'm going to take him to win in straight sets at minus 128 as he takes on Fagnini. At the end of the day, Fagnini had a nice win there in a three-setter as he ended up avenging one of the losses he had in qualifying. But Fagnini's really been a train wreck. And if you're looking at. The fatigue angle with him facing off against Phils that ended up going three sets after he went three sets against Phils on the 30th, but you can just go down the singles matches here. And it's, it's not pretty. You uh, ended up losing in straight sets to Creny Busta, six, one, six, one in his home country in Naples uh, ended up uh, beating Grenier in three. If you want to go even further back, it's, it's really rough. Uh, so let's just put it that way, but he's also playing doubles. And I do think that could play a factor here with fatigue. But Dimitrov was really, really good in Vienna. Ended up beating Montero in straight sets, beat Rublev in straight sets, which was shocking, beat Giron in three, and ended up losing to Medvedev, no shame in that, and then beat Schulp in straight sets, seven, 7-6-7-6 six, seven, six, uh, yesterday. But Fognini is aging. He's still playing doubles. And after a three-set war against an unknown qualifier... I do think he's in trouble. And I think that Dimitrov, with his ability to slice everything and keep the ball in play, I know Fagnini's serve, it really self-destructs all the time. So does Dimitrov's, but Dimitrov's serve is better than Fagnini's. I just think Dimitrov's going to really extend every point because of his ability to slice everything. And I think because of that, Fagnini is going to start going for broke a bit more because we know his gas tank is extremely weak at this stage in his career I think it's just a bad matchup right now. And to go through the actual head-to-heads, they have not played since 2017, but they have played three matches on hard court. Two were in 2013. So I guess you can kind of toss it in the garbage. Uh, Dimitrov did beat him in the Paris Masters in 2013. That went three sets. But they played in Stockholm in 2017. Dimitrov won in straight sets, 6-3, 7-6. Doesn't mean anything because it was five years ago. But the point is, I'm going to go with Dimitrov in straight sets. He's been playing good tennis lately, and Fognini has not. And after a three-set war, I think he might be totally out of gas as this match progresses. So maybe Fognini gets off to a decent start and then falls apart. But I do think you'll end up seeing Dimitrov really wear him down as the rallies get longer and longer. And I think that's going to be the recipe for success for Dimitrov in this match. And not only did Fognini also win in singles in the three-setter, he played the doubles match on the same day. So he played a lot of tennis yesterday. And I'm a, I'm concerned about the fatigue there because Dimitrov not only played straight sets, didn't go three, but he also didn't play doubles. So give me Dimitrov to win in straight sets. And for the dog, the real question is, how bold do I want to go? Because I really do think there might be some value on Tommy Paul because we really don't know what we're going to expect from Nadal, which I think is going to make this intriguing. However, I do think if we're talking about a realistic dog that i think can actually make something happen i mean i would pick draper but he's not a dog like that that's the problem i I just think that you're looking at a spot where that match should probably end up going three sets i i really just see a war taking place in that matchup um you know what i'm actually gonna back that angle Uh, let me just pull that up for a second but i do like the over two and a half sets in the draper and Tiafo match it's minus 110 both sides so they're expecting an absolute coin flip of a match anyway and i think that's how it should play out both guys are streaky and they're willing to actually punt sets on occasion to save energy over two and a half sets is plus 105 which is one of the cheapest prices i've ever seen for three sets i actually don't even know if i can take that because of how cheap it is i'm trying to see what the total is i'd rather take a game total instead is 23 and a half at minus 110 which means maybe if I could find a 24 and a half I can potentially take that but I do think you'll end up seeing a war in that matchup okay you know what I found plus 110 I'll take that I think Teafo Draper's going three I think both guys will have moments I think you'll see the level drop from both guys at various points and that is good enough for me so once again the lock is going to be on Dimitrov minus one and a half sets at minus 128. And the dog will be Draper and over two and a half sets at plus 110. Other than that, though, you can find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-O Radio. Besides that, still doing a bunch of other podcasts. Got the NFL Gambling Podcast a couple times a week. Just dropped the totals episode with Terrell. We're going to be doing the DFS and Thursday night special at some point later on Wednesday. So keep your eyes open for that. Besides that, still doing the NBA podcast every day. Doing it again Wednesday morning uh, with Terrell and Munaf, so check that out. We also do it on live stream, so if you want to interact in the comment section, we do have a live chat box if you want to interact there. But other than that, they'll be back at some point later on this week for the remainder of this tournament. I might do an extra episode. I know usually I do one episode to start the tournament, then I do one for the final, and I kind of just break it down that way. I think since there are so many great players in this event, I probably have to add another episode I'm assuming for the quarters, I'll probably add one. I don't know if I want to do one for the semis in the final or just the quarters in the final, but I'll add another episode. So we should be doing three for the actual Paris Masters since this is one of the most important events left in the calendar year. But still, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.